On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by the Believer Junkie, Jermaine Cookson. She shares her story of coming to Canada and why she was called to help other people believe in themselves. We also touch on living your life outside of the box, the power of positivity, how to find clarity in your life, and the importance of authenticity. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to journey number 21. Today, I'm joined by Jermaine Cookson and... Um, I think that we're going to have an amazing conversation here. There's a lot of things we were chatting beforehand on, um, you know, just I think aligned in a lot of certain, on a lot of different topics. And so I'm excited to get into this. Um, thank you for being on. And I guess just to start things off, um, can you tell everybody a little bit about your story? Just give us some context on, you know, where you grew up, what you were like as a kid, um, you know, and kind of everything up to what led you to what you're doing today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me this morning. Um, yeah, I've always been mystical and kind of magical, you know, whimsical, maybe always believed in that there was something else out there. And I guess I've been like that since a little girl. I grew up in England, hence the English accent, even though I now live in Chestermere in Alberta. And I trained in like dance and drama. So I'd always been creative, you know, it always has that creative aspect. And then sort of got into sales and through sales got into some training courses. And through that, went on an NLP course, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And just that opened my brain like a, whew, just a vessel and a portal to like, just other things that are available to us out there. You know, where we go to school in these mainstream like ways where I think we're just encouraged to go inside a box. And if I'm honest for me, I never, <laughs> I didn't fit inside that box. You know, I was a square peg in a round hole, always trying to find kind of my way always been very passionate and from doing that course that just opened things up for me I started reading more books and it was around astrology it was mindfulness it was relationships it was everything and everything that just made me go oh my god I want to be a life coach <laughs> I have to be a life coach like there's something here so I got into training um, and I was very fortunate because I used to bring my sort of mindful skills and things I was just learning personally and sort of adopt them and put them into my sales training with my staff because to me if you can use one thing in a personal place you can move it into a professional place and it helps on every level um, and through that then I got offered a job I moved to moved to Canada here I am 13 years later I'm still here I never went home and although I do still have a full-time position um, I started going into coaching more on a professional level five years ago and from that, it's just takes time, you know, in this day and age, everybody wants to have a YouTube channel, everybody wants to sort of share their story. And I think in my personal story, I've found that I just need to be me. I just need to be authentic. Um, and for me, that all stems around mindset. So it's not just one specific thing that I coach on now with my clients. Um, it's just everything and everything to do with Sort of how the brain looks at things and from there we apply that to all different areas of our lives and i want to grow this you know i'd love to be doing this sort of full time um if that's my journey if that's what i'm meant to be then i trust that will happen if i'm always just going to be doing it part-time along with a full-time position then i'm okay with that as well whatever whatever will be will be i like i love that outlook and you know there's a couple of things that i'm curious about too and especially with that drama and, you know, artistic background. Um, you know, one of the things that I've only come to realize call it over the last couple of years is in my mind, I'd always put, you know, creativity in a box, 
Mm -hmm. right? And whenever he, I hear creativity or artistic or whatever it might be, I'm like, okay, that's drama, that's art, that's music, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is the box that creativity lives in. And it wasn't, and because of that, because I'm not inclined or, you know, have never done anything like that, I went, oh, I'm not creative, mm -hmm. right? Um, but over the last couple of years, it's been this interesting switch on the outlook of seeing that you can be creative in different ways, you know, and being creative in the workplace or, you know, in business or, you know, um, just in everyday life that it doesn't fit into that box of creativity. Um, you know, I'm curious just on your thoughts on that. Like, have you, I mean, with that more quote unquote creative background, did you try to bring that into other areas or was it one day that you just realized like, oh, like I can kind of spread this out all over the place. It doesn't have to be when I'm, you know, doing drama or um, whatever it might be. I can bring this into all aspects of my life. No, absolutely. And I think from going inside the box, you can flip that to having what we call an outside the box thinking. And I think that in itself is a whole like section on being creative because we don't think like this we're open to other things. We're open to being creative. And that creativity for me comes from having an imagination. It doesn't matter whether you're dancing on a stage or whether you're creating a PowerPoint presentation. It's the fact that you've got the ability and I'm going cold now as I'm telling you. <laughs> for me, I'm always like, that's my angels. Um, yeah, it's just, there is that creative aspect to knowing that you can go further than what that book tells you. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the drama background was huge and I didn't really always see how it was going to transfer into sort of a business world. You know, I was in dance and drama for 20 years and I qualified as a dance teacher and I got drama diplomas. And so I was teaching and I loved it. Um, I then transitioned into wanting to, wanting to get what I called a normal job. You know, we again try and fit back inside that box because I think it's that to and fro of what we're supposed to do. And eventually you get to knowing I'm meant to do what I am meant to do. Um, but through that, with the drama aspect, once I got into sales, very quickly, somebody recognized my skills or abilities and wanted to get me into training. And I was like, training? Like, what's, what have I got to do for training? Like, I haven't had any, you know, background or been to school or anything about it. And they said, Jermaine, you have a very infectious energy. And I'm grateful for hearing that. That always is something that I remembered. So, of course, when it started to go forward and I started to train, what am I doing? I'm standing on a stage again. So all those years of experience reciting poetry in competitions, you know, just being on stage as a dancer, when you're training in a business environment, it comes from a performance aspect. So that drama side of it really went, wow, this is why I, I learned all that. You know, it's not just about you close one door and it's completely gone forever. You might close one door, but as the saying goes, another window opens, you know, you move into another kind of sector of your life and you take everything that you've learned for the good. And hopefully everything that you learned that wasn't good, you leave it, you know, you park it, <laughs> leave it in the parking lot like we don't want to go back there. Um, so it's just it's an evolution. I mean, let's be honest, life is ever evolving. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it's, it's something that I feel like a lot of people struggle with, though is that again, they kind of put things in these boxes of I was doing this job and now I'm in a new job. And so nothing transfers over. Mm -hmm. I have this hobby or growing up, I used to do this. I used to be in drama, I used to do poetry, but now 
I'm not doing that anymore. Now I'm in sales. And so this is completely different. I need to learn everything from scratch. And I never realized that I just naturally always did the opposite. And it was every single thing, every single experience that I have, I try to take something from it, learn from it, keep it in, you know, like the bank. And for me, what it really comes down to that helped me is almost not ignoring, but not putting the focus on the details. Right. And more looking at what is this, what is the root lesson that I'm learning here? Right. And um, for me, it came up a lot professionally. And, you know, I've, done, I've worked in a ton of different fields. You know, I've done like, you know, construction to meal prep and delivery to hospitality and um, all of these seemingly completely different fields. Um, and however, taking a step back and realizing, well, 90% of it's the same you're still dealing with people, you're Mm -hmm. still, you know, providing a service or creating a product or whatever it might be. Sure, it's a little bit different. But if you take those lessons and, you know, keep those close to your heart, how to deal with people, you know, how to gain trust from people, you know, when problems arise, how do you, you know, do this conflict resolution, Mm -hmm. just because it's a painting project, or somebody doesn't like the food at the table, you can actually take a lot of those, you know, lessons and apply them in both areas. And so were you always naturally inclined to think that way, where you're taking your experiences and applying them in other areas? Or was it more of a realization or a slower process of getting to that point? No, I think looking back, I've always been like it, which again, drives me to being very authentic. You know, what you see is what you get. Whereas I think some people try and put a bit more of a mask on. Um, And often it's fear. I mean, let's be honest, it's fear-based living. You know, that's where a lot of struggles personally um, come from. And that doesn't mean to say that I don't still get my fears as well, we do. Um, But I think it was just, I always just threw myself into things, you know, and I had a great trust which again, hence the name of my practice is the believer junkie. You know, people say like, well, why is it the believer junkie? I don't know. I, and I wasn't religious, um, Jared, on a, you know, going to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum liked to go to church, but she didn't enforce it on me and the rest of the family. It wasn't something we had to do. So when I kind of, again, going back to the NLP course, and then I started looking into The Secret, the book, which I'm sure everybody knows, All Law of Attraction, something connected with me. And it's like, it's just being your authentic self, throwing yourself into every situation and giving it your best shot, whatever that means, you know, just let the cards fall. Again, I've gone cold because whatever, whatever happens, if you can process it, and I think that's a key word, because that's probably where a lot of people get stuck from Mm -hmm. a, you know, a mental capacity, they go through these challenges in life and it gets stopped, whether it's work, whether it's personal, whether it's a relationship, um, something happens, they get to like a freeze moment and they don't talk about it. They don't process it. So what happens? It gets stalled, you know, and the more you go through those things, then trying to not go back to that thing that happened that scared you, it happens again. What's the law of attraction? You're living in so much resistance, it's happening again. Um, And it's that fear that then drives you to being a person that to me, authentically, you're not. You know, once you can cut those ties and let that go and process the emotion and cry and scream and do whatever it is that you need to do, which is perfectly normal. You know, it's there's nothing wrong in having a good cry. It's one of the best releases that we can do. But once you do that and let go of that armor, you can go into any job, just like you said, be your authentic self, 
learn how to apply yourself. You know, how do we speak to people, whether you're on a building site or whether you're walking into a bank, you know, whether you're giving a, a meeting to 100 area managers or whether you're giving a meeting to 100 children of the age of five to eight. It's how our, our application is, is what comes across. And I think the more authentic you are in every role that you do, it makes you different. And who wants to be the same? I mean, if we're all trying to be this cookie cutter person in this lifestyle, it's like, God, it all gets a bit repetitive. When you see somebody that's got a, a new idea or a, a new passion or a new way of talking, it's like, oh, I could listen to this person all day. You know, it's so refreshing. And I think to encourage, and again, this is where you and I've said before, it's, it's great that you and I are having this conversation. We need to be having these conversations regularly and we need to be having them in schools. We need to be teaching the children of today how to apply themselves, you know, how that it's okay when you get scared, that it's okay when you want to cry. And as you move through life, if you do something, what can you take from that experience? You don't get asked questions like that in school. You know, you don't sit down after something and go, okay, Jared, well, why did you think you felt like that? I don't know. Again, we, we don't challenge our brain. And then all of a sudden we get into our mid twenties, thirties, forties, and we get overload of challenging our brains because we start to open up and we start to let go a little bit more around, don't care so much of what people think. We start to care more, I think, about what we think about ourselves. And that's where the learning and growth accelerates. But I think if we could start it off when we're, <laughs> you know, five and six, by the time we all get to mid twenties, moving into our thirties, hey, we'd, uh, we'd be ready to play a very different game. For sure. And, you know, there's a ton of things I want to touch on in there. <laughs> um, but, you know, like for me and with my experience, I think that we're feeling that a lot more and especially people around my age, because, you know, like uh, my story of how I started the podcast, I always tell people, you know, I, I dubbed it my quarter life crisis and I was going yeah. and started questioning everything that I was doing and asking different questions and asking questions about myself and, the more that I did that, the more I realized how many people go through something very similar, right? And I think it comes back down to on some of those points that you brought up of we, a lot of times are almost forced into this box of what you should be, what you sh how you should act, whatever it might be. And, you know, deep down, you know that it's not necessarily authentic or that you want, you know, the things that you're supposed to do or supposed to feel don't resonate with you and you shove them down and you repress them for a long time until it gets to a point where you say like why am I doing this and you want to start asking those questions you want to go deeper you want to know you know why I'm feeling like this or why am I doing this um why am I not allowed to pursue the thing that I want to pursue why am I not allowed to feel the way that I know that I feel but it's not appropriate it's not an appropriate reaction and I think it just gets to that point and it's usually a breaking point where everything starts bubbling up to the surface and you start asking these questions and a lot of times either you make a big change mm -hmm. right um sometimes more of like a knee-jerk reaction i need to change something right now and um, i don't know what it is but i'm going to try to make a big change or you shove it down even further and mm -hmm. then it starts bubbling up you know a couple mm -hmm. of years later and you know something that I wanted to touch on too is that idea of the law of attraction, mm -hmm. right? And for me, you know, I, I'm huge into mindset and, you know, 
um, visualization, everything like that. I think that one thing that's missing from a lot of the conversations, though, is also the accountability part of, you know, you can sit on your couch all day, not doing a thing, trying to will things into existence. Nothing's going to happen. You mm -hmm. need to, you know, visualize it you know, think about it, but at the same time, you need to actually go out and do it, right? And I think that second part is not talked about um, enough. And I'm just curious your thoughts on on that, if you agree, disagree, or just, yeah, general thoughts on, on that second part of the law of attraction. No, you definitely still need to have an action plan, yeah. you know, and the accountability thing is huge. And again, for me in, in coaching with clients, it, it's holding them accountable, you know, and also letting them know and giving them permission to go after whatever they want because they've been told so often through the last week can't do that and you shouldn't have that and you don't want to do that well what if I do want to do that and think like that it's you open the gates to go what do you want you know and so everything you just said the visualization exercises you know really ruminating in your thoughts to getting a planning I would say the first thing is getting clarity you know you've yeah. got to get clear whether that's at your quarter life breakdown or your you know, your 30th breakdown, and we still have breakdowns, and I'm older than you, but it doesn't stop again, you know, it never stops, because we're always reflecting. But the law of attraction, you're right, you know, we go into this mindset, I think of people going, okay, so if I just believe that I'm going to attract good things, I can just believe, and I can just sit here and believe that I'm going to attract good things. Yeah, it doesn't quite happen like that, though, does it? Because as you say, you know, you're sitting on your couch and thinking somebody's going to offer you that you know millionaire's dream job or your husband's going to come and meet you what do you think is just going to knock at the door we've got to still pursue an action orientated thing to to get out there you know to do it um so i i just with regards to like well what do you do you know i think knowing in what we put out there isn't always what we get back and that's very important because people think well and how do I use a good example? But, you know, for me right now, I, I often think about like, I, I want to move to Australia. You know, my sister lives in Australia. What am I doing living in the cold with the snow? You know, um, but for that instance, if I want to think about going to Australia, what else can I do? You know, what else can I do so I could join a Facebook group that connects Canadians to Australia? You know, I might start going out to Banff and doing more walks with my dogs because let's be honest, it's full of a lot of Kiwis and Australians, you know. So what else can you do to sort of uncover that one potential goal and dream that you've put out into the universe, into the law of attraction? A bit like, again, if you want to go and get a job, say you want to go and get your dream job, you know, yes, you can write your resume, you can keep sending it out there on Indeed or, you know, different kind of job application sites. Is it enough? Act as if, you know, can we start telling ourselves that, and, and Abraham Hicks, I don't know if you've heard of Abraham Hicks, very big law of attraction. I mean, I've studied Abraham Hicks for like 10 years, um, but it's act as if, you know, and go general. So you don't need to pinpoint and get too specific because otherwise you can get into wanting something so much and the fact you don't have it, you then create more resistance in your own life that you won't attract it. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. It's for me, it, it's almost that idea of like overthinking on something. Yeah. If you, you know, if, if you focus so hard on something, it's, and you start getting more frustrated, more frustrated yeah. and, and less ideas yeah. come and less ideas come. And a lot of times it's, 
you need to go and do something to take your mind off of it. And that's yeah. when the solution will yeah. come to you. And that's, that's kind of what, what yeah. comes up for me when you're talking about yeah. that. Which is a bit like what she'll say, go general. Just yeah. go general. Just say, I'm a good person and I'm going to get a great job because I know that's what that's what's going to happen. It's not that you're going to get that specific job with that name and that title and that salary to go with it, you know, but it is, it's just, it's putting, again, I talk about application as I did in the last little conversation we had. How do you apply yourself? Are you thinking the best thoughts that you can? Because one best thought today, next week might become a bad thought. You might have learned something new and it might change. And that's okay. Again, we can't put ourselves into these boxes that you and I keep talking about and get stuck. Because what if you meet someone else that offers you not quite the exact job that you were thinking, but it's got great prospects and it's kind of going to take you sideways, then you can go up. But it's, it's offering lots of benefits and lots of good things. Do you say no? Well, it's not exactly how I wanted it. It's not in that box. You close yourself off to a, an amazing opportunity. And, and sometimes that, I think, is what happens. People get a little bit closed-minded. Again, it comes from fear, and there's nothing wrong with that. It can be worked on with somebody, you know, to just help give you a new perception, give you some skills and, and some reassurance to know, just trust, you know, just trust. And I know people might think, oh, my God, that's really, <laughs> really airy-fairy, but... It's, it's not. That's what a lot of people don't have. They don't trust that the right thing is going to show. So they sit in this place and then they get overthinking and everything. And it just gets from, it goes from bad to worse and worse again. Yeah, for sure. And for me, when I think about it, it's almost the idea that life happens for you, not to you. Tony Robbins. And, and yeah. And, um, you know, taking, switching your mindset, mindset around that and you know the idea that just because you want something maybe that's not actually where you're supposed to end up right mm -hmm. or um also you know for me it's like a big thing about taking control of the situation and finding the you know the silver lining in it on situations that you have no control over right and then using your example of like wanting to move to australia right if that was you know call it a year and a half ago you're feeling this big pull and i want to move to australia and then a worldwide pandemic hits yeah. and you're not allowed to, right? Or it makes it much more difficult instead of, oh, of course, like as soon as, you know, I've made up my mind on something, you know, this happens to me. It's, well, maybe this is an opportunity to really test, you know, how truthful and how strong that feeling is. When you're forced to stay here, when you're forced, you know, when you're not allowed to move, you know, it really puts it to the test and it's almost like a stress test. Mm -hmm. Oh, did I actually want to move there? Or was I just, you know, looking for a change and that seemed like it was something that would, that would, you know, fix some of these problems that, um, you know, that I had and that actually wasn't the root cause. I was more of a reaction, right? Um, so, yeah, you know, I just trying to switch my thinking around that. And, you know, I'm curious, you know, you've talked a lot about authenticity and clarity and for me, like one of the things that I've struggled with the most is finding that clarity of, you know, especially over this last year and a half, call it not knowing exactly where I'm going. And I've been able to get clarity on what I don't want to do or when I'm heading in the wrong direction. However, it's been very tough for me to find clarity for specifically what I want to be doing. And I think I'm moving slowly in the right direction. But when I hear clarity, I go, 
a very specific, like, this is my North Star, this is where I'm moving towards. How do you think about clarity and how have you found people are able to find clarity? Touching on what you just said about knowing what you don't want. Yeah. Again, I use Abraham Hicks because it's one of the things that she will teach and, and sort of practice is by knowing what you don't want, you'll know what you do want. So often I can go into a coaching or, you know, a session and say to somebody, well, what makes you happy? I don't know. And I'm like, people don't know what make them happy. Okay, again, it's real. You know, I'm not making this up. This is real. People don't know what makes them happy. Okay. And, and another thing I would say as well is, well, what made you happy when you was a child? You know, there's Louise Hay, who's passed away now, but she was one of the first people that went into sort of mindfulness and, and mentorship. She would say, look to the child within. And again, chances are what you did as a child would, if it brought you happiness then, it would still bring you happiness now. And it, does that resonate for you? Like, are there things that you did as a kid that you would, and we're not talking business or school or anything. Like, what did you do for fun, Jared, as a kid? Yeah, you know, and it's it's funny because I've heard that a lot too. And you saying like people come in and say, I don't know what makes me happy. That is me, right? And I've talked about this a lot for the past year with different people of what I think one of the biggest unlocks for me was realizing that I had made a lot of decisions about my life that weren't necessarily grounded on fact when mm -hmm. I was a child. And mm -hmm. because I had made them when I was so young, they had become truths in my body. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until recently when I started, you know, again, putting them to the, to the test of like, well, is this actually how I feel or is this how you program? Exactly. And like, for me, a big one was motivation. Like, what do I like doing? Because, you know, for me, I'm very professionally driven. I like, you know, doing professional things and, you know, business and, you know, meeting people and whatever it might be. Um, and then I had to take a step back and I went, oh, do I actually like doing that? Or am I doing it to gain the approval? Mm -hmm. of other people around me and you know going into self-worth and you know feeling worthy mm -hmm. of if I can show them accomplishments mm -hmm. I'll be worthy enough mm -hmm. um, as a person and so that's where it was oh okay I thought that I liked doing that but is that actually just my programming and so that has been a lot of the confusion for me over the last little while where now I'm questioning everything that I think I know <laughs> going back to me as a kid it's funny because I was just always very curious and that's a lot of you know what I enjoy doing is learning new things and experiencing new things where um, you know I remember as a as a child like I would be reading history books about you know the ancient Romans and ancient Greeks and you know very much like liked the war aspect of them and learning about the military history of them and their armies and whatever it might be and um, you know and for me, it was just always learning. I liked learning new things and experiencing new things, which is great. And at the same time, it doesn't give me a specific thing to go towards, right? For me, I would much rather learn a hundred new things than know every, you know, to call it like 80% than know, you know, 99% of two things. That doesn't interest me. Once I know, you know, a general idea of it, once I understand it, I want to move on because then I get bored and I want something new. Right. And so that's where I try to put myself in situations where I'm trying new things, doing new things. And because I'm so general and I have always been so general, I think it's really goes back to a lot of you hear the stories about other people and they have this very clear vision. They have this very clear goal 
And I think that's what I search for that I can't find. And so um, for sure, looking at the things that I don't like has pointed me in the right direction. And that's why I say, I feel that I'm moving in the right direction. I don't know where that end goal is yet. No, you might never. I'm still, I'm still searching in some aspects like you. You yeah. know, I had once, well, I still have one sister who uh, is three years older than me. And she, from a very young age, wanted to work with children. You know, so she was started babysitting at a young age. And when she left school, she um, she went to college to study as a to get a, um, an accreditation in sort of nursery nursing and looking after children. Then she became a nanny for so many years. So, again, she was still working in the area that she wanted to. And then she went into a school and she's been in a school. So she's done what she wanted to do since the day she left school. And in some ways, I've often looked and gone, huh? wow that must be just that must be so nice however I go back to being a believer junkie in the fact that I do trust and I think sometimes we just have to know that we outside the box thinkers we were not put on this earth Jared to do that path because if we were we'd be doing it you know my sister clearly that was her journey that's what she chose and that's where she's you know, always gone. And for her, she's happy doing it. So we make no wrong in it. Fine. If she, you know, fits into that little demographic, it's perfect. And she's very, very good at it as well in what she does. But for me, you know, I was in dance, I was in drama, you know, loved it, loved all of that. And then when I moved into business, I liked business. I liked growth, you know, a little bit. Well, I'm a truth seeker, which very much is like you. Different ways, maybe. I've never been one to have my head in books. That's never been something that was a, an attraction <laughs> for me. Um, but a truth seeker in wanting to figure it out, you know. And so I went into jobs and I would have to figure out the best way to do it because I would want those results. We're an accomplished being. And not everybody is like that. Does it make us wrong or bad that we do have that drive? Um, sometimes it can be unsettling because do we ever get to a point where we are truly truly satisfied you know and this is where I can say the thing for me between being a coach and still being in the business world you know because I kind of get to do both you know you, you get to use your business brain and you get to do all of those things and I get to then coach and help people with mindset and that truly is what I what I love um, I'm always looking at ways to merge the two together you know, I'd love to be a part of a huge empire, like a training empire. I really, even now, I have no, have no desire to always go, look what I did. You know, I'd much rather go, look what we did. You know, yeah. could you imagine like, because to me, two brains are better than one. Four brains are better than two, you know. And when you've got people with outside the box thinking um, and you've all got similar mindsets, but different skills as well, if that makes sense. Like, could you imagine, you know, you look at like Lewis Holmes, the school of greatness. Could you imagine like opening? And why can't, why can't we do it? Why can't we open, you know, in, in Calgary, the school, the mindset school, school of awesomeness and actually have people that we get to run a business. So we get to grow the business. We get to look at the bottom line and do that accomplished feeling, but we get to teach kids. We get to teach adolescents. We get to teach young adults right the way through to seniors, you know, this, this would be a dream of mine to then merge that business and that coaching aspect together. So I think it, it's just trying to find what it is like you're good at, as you say. Maybe like for me, if I think, well, what made me happy as a child, 
dancing you know and I don't just mean dancing in a in a classroom you know just putting music on and just dancing dancing in my bedroom or doing whatever you know again the creative aspect I used to pull rose petals off flowers next to the uh, the school where I lived, put them in a jar with water, you know, making perfume. Well, you could say I've been entrepreneurial then from the age of like seven. You know, I used to do finger knitting and make bracelets and knock on people's door next to where I lived and see if they wanted to buy them. It's crazy. Like the average person doesn't do that. So I think like for you, you've been in lots of different businesses. So you definitely have an entrepreneurial mindset you know, and you've got that drive and ambition and that truth seeker in you, are there certain subjects that you like to read about more? You know, maybe that will drive you to more of an area or an industry that you can merge your mindset into that truth seeking and, and find find what it is that you love so you never have to work another day in your life. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> it's so funny to you thinking back on it of realizing I loved reading as a kid and now I struggle to and right. trying to force myself to actually read and just you know the shifting through it um and you know i'm curious going back to authenticity because i think it's a huge thing that has come up a lot in my life and being authentic and um you know what is like when i say what is authenticity to you what kind of comes up first having um, no fear having no fear okay because I think when you've got no fear, you're as authentic as being, whether you do things right, wrong, indifferent, whether you get scolded for doing things because, you know, somebody might have thought it was bad or good or, but you're just so authentic down to your true being that you can't not do it that way you want to do it. Whereas once those walls come up and you start hearing, well, you shouldn't do this, that's not the right way of doing it. And we listen. If we really start paying attention to that external world, um, yeah, then I think you you lose you lose that authenticity because you start to want to be somebody that people think you should be. I, I wasn't like that. And I was very, very fortunate that I had a mom and dad that supported me. You know, my dad was very gregarious and had a, a big personality and still does. My mom sadly passed away uh, 20 years ago, but was still a very strong character. And I guess encouraged me to be that crazy, happy, you know, mystical little, little girl that I was. And in some ways, even now at the age I am, I, I still am. Does that make sense? I, it does, yeah. I think it is the, the fear driven, you know, and again, you, you know, we either live in fear, lack and scarcity, or we live in like hope, joy and confidence, you know, and often it's like, well, how do I get over there? It comes back to what we said at the beginning, Jared, about processing things that have happened. Mm -hmm. That's the hard thing. There is nothing, there's nothing that can happen to anyone that you can't learn from. And, and to me, if I was to say something now to, you know, your people listening or to anyone that's listening from my side, just, just accept what's happened and be okay. You know, even if you think it's the darkest thing that you did or it's the worst thing that you said, as long as you can, first of all, acknowledge it, you can apologize for something if you honestly do think you've done something that was where you acted out um, and find out then why, because again, it's coming from another trigger. But if we can say something, you know, in haste and then be like, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm not sure why I did. That again is being authentic. We don't always get it right. We, we, we don't have a list of rules that give you these are the 10 perfect ways to live. There's no such thing. 
because my 10 ways of perfect living would be completely different to yours. And that's the thing. We are all unique, which goes back to being authentic. You know, if we could all just be in our own skin and be in our own bodies and accept ourselves for what we are, whether we're whether we're loud, whether we're quiet, you know, whether we're confident or whether we're a bit more reserved, as long as we're doing it from an authentic place and we are OK with it. Then we are being authentic, you know, to ourselves. It's if we're doing things like you say, are we are we doing this because we require that validation from someone because there's something lacking? You know, are we being introvert and reserved because we're scared because somebody's made us feel so, you know, sort of downtrodden about ourselves that we we don't show our true colours. You know, there's always reflections that we can look at. And this is where that processing of emotions, it's it's learning to be emotionally intelligent, which sadly a lot of people aren't. Um, and people go, well, does that make me bad? No, it doesn't make you bad. But excuse me it's encouraging people to know everybody can get more emotionally intelligent people want to go and study and be an MBA or be a lawyer they go to school they do all the studying in the world why don't people study about the brain yeah why don't we we learn mindset you know and and do that at school in an aspect like a, a school classroom you know we'll learn math we'll learn English we'll learn science we'll learn these things well what about our brains we've got to live with these things for a long time <laughs> that that's what screws us up <laughs> you know constantly yeah. and uh, all, all the time for sure and you know I think something that you touched on is super important and not talked about a lot is that a big part of being authentic is acknowledging your downsides, right? Your, um, call it your shadow self. Yeah. Right. And, you know, leaning into those that you're not perfect and you have things that, you know, um, you wish would be better or, um, sometimes you have bad thoughts or, um, you know, sometimes you're selfish. Sometimes you give too much. Sometimes, you know, it's different for everybody, but acknowledging those aspects of yourself as well and, you know, not feeling the shame around it. Um, it was really interesting because I've never thought of authenticity from a place of fear before. And, you know, one thing that I have been digging into um, this year was, you know, I want to put a big effort into training my body and learning the difference between true fear out of my safety and emotional fear right because i think that fear is a big part of our biology and a lot of times keeps us safe right and maybe it's not fear maybe it's intuition whatever it might be um but you know we evolved to have fear to keep us alive however you know now in modern society you know we're not in all of these life or death situations you know on a daily basis and so um, and, you know, even the fact of having that fear of being ostracized or cast out of society, because, you know, when we were evolving, that meant death, right? If you didn't have the community, if you were kicked out of the tribe, you died. Yeah. And so having a lot of the fear come from that, but that's no longer the case a lot of times. And so training myself and to distinguish between the two kinds of fear of, am I, is this like a real fear that is actually trying to keep me safe? Or is this an emotional fear? And um, realizing that emotional fear is okay. That's what you want to push through. That's what you want to work on. That's what you, how you want to challenge yourself. Um, but I, I guess, you know, just thinking about it right now, it's, I, I still think that fear has a, you know, a role to play. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I think it's distinguishing behind it and not letting your life be run by it. I'm just curious if you have your thoughts on that. Yeah, I would say, you know, fear in anything, it helps us to grow if we learn to look at it that way. Yeah. You know, again, as I was saying to you earlier, just because I coach, it doesn't mean I don't get fear. It doesn't mean I have all the answers. It doesn't mean that my life's better than anybody else's. <clears throat> Excuse me. It just means that I've learned to use different tools to get through these things, to get through these fear barriers, you know. Um, and if I get to a place where something maybe has, has triggered me, you know, and it's getting my emotions up, which again, it's coming from fear. When we get triggered, that's that's fear. Um, it, it's learning to how do we get back down? Yeah. So is it is it breathing? You know, um, is it using water? Water's a very good one, you know, to just throw onto your face, have a shower. Um, I remember when I had my own business and I'd been to Australia to visit my sister and had this reading. And this woman had said to me, you need to use water, you know, through these times when you're with your clients. If you find that you're getting sort of like, oh, just go and have a shower. And I was like, wow, this is like crazy. You know what? I did it. And I've told so many other people about it, Jared, like go and just let it wash over you. So it's finding ways to release that fear get yourself back down to homeostasis. And when you're back into a comfortable state of mind, then you can decipher, okay, now let's relook at that situation. Was it fear being driven by emotion or was it fear being driven by fact? Yeah, yeah. No, you I know, love that. But as soon as you get triggered, you're gone. There's, and, and I don't mean gone as in, there's just no point in trying to do anything when someone's in a triggered state get them back down once they're feeling calm again okay now now let's have a conversation why why did you think that or why may you have thought that a lot of it's going to go back to childhood because that's where we're trained and programmed and that's where we can learn to retrain and reprogram ourselves um, and again the number one thing would be to know it's all okay yeah. you know we can figure anything out with a conversation that should be a, a bumper sticker on everybody's cars. We can figure everything out with a conversation because you truly can. It's just people don't want to have the conversation because they're in fear. It, you know, it's topsy-turvy. You're like going around this little hamster wheel. Well, I don't want to talk because I'm in fear. Yeah, but if you don't talk, you'll never get out of fear. You yeah, know, yeah. it's just learning these things to go, okay, take a deep breath, you know, go for counseling, get a therapist, have a coach, whatever it is that you need. If you've got a good friend, it's just as good. But sometimes talking to somebody you know can bring more fear, which you think, really? Because shouldn't the people around us be the ones that can support us the most? It doesn't always work like that. You know, when you go and talk to someone that doesn't know you, they've got no judgment. They don't know you from Adam, you know, and they don't care anything that you're bringing to the table that they're, they're not going to judge at all. So sometimes I think that's why it's easier to go and, you know, find someone that you can just talk to and just vomit, <laughs> vent, get everything out on the table. And once you start then figuring stuff out, then you can go back and have conversations with your friends because chances are you're going to inspire them as well. Yeah, no, I, I love that idea too. And it's something I think a lot about it having your different support systems and different communities and they all, you know, serve a different role yeah, they do. and they all have their advantages and their disadvantages. And it's not, you only do this one or this is the right one to do. It's, you know, incorporating them and finding which ones work for you. And so I talk a lot about, you know, um, when I started seeing my therapist and how much she's helped me and everything around that. And 
Um, that was when I talked to it about people when they're curious, one of the, the things that I bring up is that she doesn't have these, you know, 20, 25 years of baggage of being in it, you know, with me, like your family does, or maybe yeah. your friends do or yeah. whatever it might be. And having that ability to see it from the outside looking in and sometimes just having that, um, you know, unemotional look and it's so easy, or it's, sorry, not easy, obvious, right? And they'll see obvious things that you don't see because you're right there in it every day and you've been living it your entire life. And on the opposite side, you have those communities and support systems that have the baggage that have been there with you for a really long time. And they, you know, they can fill a different role. And, you know, for me, um, over the last two years, there's been lots of different communities. You know, there's my friends, there's my family, there's um, the men's group that I was a part of, there's my therapist, um, you know, realizing that you can get different you know, you can get different things out of these different communities and different support systems. And it doesn't need to necessarily be a one size fit all. It's not, you know, this one thing that you do or this one person will fulfill all of your needs. And for me, it was a big, you know, trying to integrate that into, it is okay if a certain group or a certain person only fills, you know, some of the needs and some of my wants, that's more than okay. They don't have to be the absolute everything end all be all um, for me in my life. Yeah, and I again, it's like you say, we try and just go in that box instead yeah. of pushing all the walls down of that box and just going, hey, we can have eight communities. We don't have to just have one. Yeah, We don't have to just have the family. You know, if you've got your family around you, that's kind of not, yeah, it's not how you have to live. But again, we're conditioned to think that that's the only support system we have because that's what we grow up in. If we're lucky enough, some people don't always grow up in that family, um, yeah. you know, sort of a bond. Um, and then again, as we go to schools, if people join sports, that becomes another community. It's often a place where people can get, I mean, I know for me in all the dancing I did with my teachers, um, I learned a lot of discipline yeah. from that. And that's, that's stayed with me. You know, I mean, I, I danced a lot. You, you learn different things from these communities. And I think on the other side of it as well, Jared, we have to be okay to let these communities go when they've served their purpose. Yes. Because I, and again, and that, that can be for friends, you know, or loved ones, as we all know, you know, you go through relationships um, or friendships and people can often be like, oh my God, like, I'm not sure like what happened. Again, if you've said your piece, if you've said your sorry, sometimes you don't even know why you just drift apart. You know, yeah. you're going to a community every week, you're doing a network group and then you miss one. And then all of a sudden you don't get the next invite and then you don't go and you think, why did it stop? Again, we have that very curious mind, but sometimes we have to know that people, again, reasons, seasons and lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah, people yeah. come into your life for a reason. You can think you're going to be the best friend and the best buddy and you're going to have them in your life forever. And then they've gone. And you think, wow, did you learn something though? You know, did you take something or maybe even observed? I'm not even said you had to learn, but did you observe something about them or what they were doing that made you think, I want to do that because that really looked good on them and it really worked? Or do you look at other people as a pure mindful observation and go, I'm really glad that person showed up in my life to show me this because I would not do that. Yeah. Again, we don't always have to look at people for the wants in life, for the things that we think we should be doing better. We can also learn from how people do things to, to judge your own personalities of going, 
that didn't sound great what that person just said I, I you know I, I wouldn't speak like that to somebody in that environment you know and it's again we just learn we learn so much from the communities around us but we do have to be willing to let them go and find new communities we're like plants keep watering us and we'll keep growing yeah you know and I think that was I think it was a big lesson for myself too is to listen to those gut feelings as well of just because I'm close with this person or I have a relationship, whatever it might look like, you know, there are certain things that didn't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. However, because I wanted, and I had this almost romanticized version yeah. of them in my brain, yeah. I went, you know, I justified it for myself. And so yeah. really, you know, pausing, taking that minute to go, you know, why didn't I like that? And, you know, kind of what core value did that hit on for me? Um, and listening to it instead of sweeping it under the rug, because that just leads to unhealthy behaviors and relationships. And, you know, again, for I'm a real big believer that it'll always come back up, right? Yes. Eventually, it shows up in a lot of different ways. It can show up in, you know, explosions. It can show up in, you know, um, behaviors. It can show up in a lot of different ways. But, you know, if you don't look at it and you let you know i always say like keeping it in the dark if you let it fester it's going to show up in different ways and so you know shining a light on it working through it um and then deciding like you know what purpose has this shown me or what lesson have i learned from this um i, I just think it's so important and often the lessons you learn jared you don't always again personal experience to me you don't always make sense of why it happened yeah but this is what I've realized. The experience you go through is teaching you something, whether you realize it or not, if you can have that mindfulness to sort of reflect on it. But then you think, then maybe I'm going to help someone else. Maybe I'm going to come into contact with someone. And because of what I've gone through, because of the experience I've just, you know, moved through, even though I have no idea why I attracted all this to my life. Again, you know, why did I bring this? I did for a reason. But then you move over here and there's someone else that's going through a similar experience and you just become like an angel to them. And they're like, oh, my God, thank you so much. How did you know this? Well, I guess that's why I had to learn it. You know, so again, sometimes it's sometimes it's got a bigger a bigger meaning to it than just being about the experience that you're going through at that time for your own personal reasons. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And, you know, I feel I feel like I could talk to you about this all day. Um, but we are, <laughs> we are. <laughs> Come back again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like as we wrap up here, um, is there anything that we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? Anything that you wanted to bring up? Um, any kind of final thoughts for everybody? No, it's just for anybody that's listening to just, I would just encourage all of them to, to go out and try and find someone to talk to and just don't be, don't be scared. I could say, don't be nervous, but you're all going to be nervous because it's hard. It's hard to talk about something that's got so much meaning to mm -hmm. it. Um, and that's why, you know, you care so much because if you didn't care, it wouldn't have the meaning, you know, people will be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, when you care about something so deeply, whether it's a family problem, whether it's a work situation, whether it's a personal relationship, whether it's just a friend, when you care, that's, that's coming from a place of love. That's coming from a place of authenticity. So just hold that, hold some space for yourself and anything of a thought or an emotion, and then try and find a channel, a community in some way to process it. Because as soon as you start processing it, let it go. 
And I can assure you just in the people that I've helped to coach and even in my own, you know, still my own personal growth, there's, there's you're never alone. You always think the one thing you're thinking, oh my God, I don't want to tell anybody that because they're going to think I'm crazy or they're going to think like, oh wow, she's in a really dark place or no, everybody, there's so many people thinking that same thought, having that same emotion, what you've had, which I think is testament to you doing this podcast. You know, isn't that why you did it? You start doing it all of a sudden get people going, yeah, I had those same thoughts at like my quarter interval, you know, I'm having that quarter life breakdown. And at the time, if you look back and would have thought, oh, God, this is going to be really tough for me. All of a sudden you go, holy moly. Like there's, there's a big percentage of people in that same age group all thinking the same. So that would be my thing to just encourage people, because the minute we can start to dissolve that fear, yeah, um, yeah. we can start to really just grow that authenticity and get out there and live life guys it's precious again I lost my mum 20 years ago um if it's the one thing that it made me do live when somebody said do you want to come to Canada I'm like sure my friends back home were like oh my god it, it happened within well I got a call in December by March I quit my job and by April I'd moved here it, it was quick you know don't mess about because I said at the end of the day can always go home you know if you're going to try and get on a new path and go down it just go down it you can always turn the car around and go back home you yeah. know and isn't, isn't that the truth in anything we do it's just going okay having that gumption i'm gonna i'm gonna do it that comes from encouragement it comes from reassurance and it comes from trusting and believing in yourself and just that you're being taken care of so yeah so yeah, yeah. just each and every one of you go Go raise the roof. Come on, go, <laughs> yeah. go live your life. I love that. I think that's such an important point that nothing is permanent, right? You can always change your mind afterwards, but um, seizing it and trying it in the first place is the important part. And just because you hit such a nerve on uh, what you were saying before is it was one of the most freeing parts and points in my life was the day that I realized that I was not alone in my struggles. Um, because I held so much shame around, I'm the only one that struggles with this. I'm the only one that thinks this way. Um, and it, you know, just compounded the effects that, oh, nobody else struggles with this. And therefore I can't talk to anybody about it. Um, and so it weighed on me more, which made me want to talk about it less and think again, you know, as isolated more and it was just a vicious cycle. And that really was one of the driving factors in me talking about the things that I talk about, because, the amount of weight that was lifted off my shoulders and um, the day that I found out I wasn't alone, it was so freeing. Um, and I want to, you know, hopefully pass that on to other people as well. So um, thank you so much for this. Uh, the last question that I ask everybody who comes on is what does this next phase in your journey look like? Uh, just growing this business more and more. And I don't mean it, the, the growth from the business side so much, but just being able to help people more yeah, and more. Yeah. You know, I think we live in a time and, and age now where it's not taboo to talk about our feelings and emotions, you know, whereas perhaps it once it once was. So for me to just go and sprinkle my mainly magic, as I call it, and just shine the light on more things, because and I think the one thing as well from my standpoint is what we coach about, we often need ourselves. Yeah. So the more we give out to the world, 
the more we're reassuring them, we're just we're re-educating our own minds every day. There's nothing more empowering than having these types of conversations because it's like an hour's therapy and you come away going, yeah, I just I just told myself all of this stuff that that's true, you know, and then you go out into the world and, and you keep doing it. But we always need to go back. You know, we always need to raise that raise that bar and, and revisit those things. So for me, yeah, it's just continuing to do what I'm doing, um, continuing to, to help more people in what I can and have the school of mindset and awesomeness and uh, yeah, have every child from being five right the way through to 65 come and take part because that would just be an absolute dream. Helping everybody, you know, to just trust their emotions and be okay with their thoughts would be a, a complete blessing. I love that. Um, and if anyone wants to connect with you or follow you, um, learn more about you, where would be the best place for them to go? Uh, you can Google Believer Junkie. Um, I have a website, www.believerjunkie.com. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Jermaine Cookson. Um, but yeah, if you want to reach out, if you, if I can do anything to help you or anyone that's close to you, you know, we all, again, we're all looking for different things. Um, then yeah, by all means, I'd be more than happy to help Jared. It's been a pleasure to do this with you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. Um, I really appreciate this conversation. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear any feedback that you have through Instagram at Jared Salikin or by email jared at jaredsalikin.com as well as it really would mean the world to me if you liked and subscribed to the podcast. Thanks so much.